Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. A short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, about 13 or 14 minutes usually, but that keeps us in God's Word and that helps keep us strong in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But it also helps keep us focused on our relationship with God and upon our spiritual lives. Help people in your life turn their focus in their life to God to their spiritual life, help them grow in their faith by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. You may help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. What a great blessing for them and for you. So make that commitment today. We're going to move on in our line of thought and study. We're talking about the very basic and one of the most fundamental doctrines of Christianity that was brought to mankind through God's word, but also a messenger being Jesus Christ himself. And that's baptism. Baptism. Now, we have spent the first several sections of our study talking about <clears throat> how we're to be baptized. And so, as we pointed out, there are a whole lot of churches that call themselves Christian who practice a variety of modes or actions of baptism, how they do it. Some of them practice sprinkling, some of them practice pouring, some of them may you know, rub some water on somebody's forehead, and some of them practice total immersion. Well, there are some who will just let the individual decide, how do you want to be baptized? Do you want to have sprinkling? Do you want to have pouring? Do you want to be totally immersed? Well, is that what the Bible says? And of course not. We have really looked at the scriptures. We've looked carefully and analytically at what the original word in the Greek and the New Testament was written in Greek originally, and there's no question, all scholars, I don't know, I have never read a scholar, uh, supposed scholar, biblical scholar, who has questioned that that word in the Greek, it was a, as it was originally written down, meant immersion. And we pointed out there are different Greek words for sprinkling and pouring. So it's not sprinkling or pouring. It's not rubbing some water on somebody's head. It is immersion. And we noted that in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, it likens baptism to the burial that Jesus experienced when he died on that cross and was buried in that tomb, totally in the ground. Now, so the likeness in baptism that that is really, uh, you know, shown is that we're buried in the waters of baptism. We also noted in Colossians that it really very succinctly says buried in baptism. Now, you don't sprinkle somebody and you bury them. You don't pour a little water over them and you bury them. You completely immerse them in the water. And again, there is no question as to what that word meant in the original Greek as the New Testament was originally written, it meant immerse. So any church that comes along and practices some other form of baptism, sprinkling, pouring, rubbing some water on their forehead, that's not baptism as taught in the scriptures. And as we've emphasized many times in these today's Bible class studies, when you, when you change God's word, it's not God's word. It's your word now. 
And we made that point. We looked at Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, and it says, do not add anything to God's word. Do not take anything away from God's word on penalty of eternal judgment. So we understand what baptism, the form of baptism is. It is immersion and only immersion. And somebody might say, well, what about all these churches that are practicing sprinkling or pouring? They're not practicing true baptism. That's not baptism. Baptism is immersion. Now, as I said last time when we closed, I want us to broaden this particular study, and I want us to talk about why a person needs to be baptized. Most of these churches that call themselves Christians, whether they practice sprinkling, pouring, or immersion for baptism, they don't believe that a person really has to be baptized in order to be saved, in order to be forgiven of their sins, in order to come into Christ. They believe that people should be baptized because the Bible teaches baptism, but they don't believe it's essential for salvation. Well, I come back, you know, again, I think very uh, methodically and analytically, and I keep coming back to, well, if the Bible says to be baptized, then don't you have to be baptized to be obedient to God's word? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. His commandments, his teachings, his doctrines are written down in God's word. If God's word says it, don't we have to obey it? Well, they, they would say, well, you, you should be baptized. And we baptize people, but you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Well, what if you decide you don't want to be baptized then? Are you okay? You still saved? Well, they would have to say yes. But now you've disobeyed God's word by not being baptized. That's a problem. Well, what do the scriptures say? What happens through baptism? On Pentecost, as the church came into existence, 10 days after Jesus ascended back to heaven, after arising from the grave from the tomb alive and presenting himself alive before hundreds and hundreds of witnesses for a period of 40 days, he ascended back to heaven. Ten days later, he is Pentecost, and the apostles begin preaching the gospel of Christ. Christianity, the church, comes into existence on this earth in that day, on that day. Now, you talk about a scathing sermon. Peter's is highlighted on that day. There's thousands, I don't know how many thousands, of Jewish men who are gathered there from all the nations under heaven, the known world at that time. The first several verses of Acts chapter 2 identify such. Now, Peter's, again, he's preaching a scathing sermon. He's pulling no punches. He's not holding back whatsoever. He's letting them know, you have crucified the Son of God. You have crucified your Savior. You rejected the Savior God sent to you. And then he really kind of sums it up in a very capsulated kind of form in verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, when he says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly. In other words, all of you Jewish men gathered here today, all of your families and all the rest of the Israelites or the Jews all over the world, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, there's emphasis again, that God has made the same Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the Lord. And so what was the response? Well, many of the Jews then responded. In verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Now, they have just been convicted of sin. You talk about a grievous sin, how could it be even more, any more grievous than to deny? Even deny to the point of being an enemy and even deny to the point of being an enemy that, that contributes to the crucifixion of your Savior on the cross. They said, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart, it says. And in verse 38, Peter responds, repent. Now, that means change of mind, literally. But understood within the change of mind is a change of action, the change of behavior. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said you need to repent of your sins and you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that you can, your sins can be forgiven you. Saul of Tarsus was a violent enemy of the church. He hunted down Christians. We talked about that many times through these studies. And on the road to Damascus, on one of his missions to hunt down some more Christian Jews, the Lord appeared to him, spoke to him at least, but appeared to him through a light. The light struck him such that he fell, off, fell to the ground and he was blind. And the Lord spoke to him. And Saul, he, he said, the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul responded, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. And Saul said, what would you have me do, Lord? And Jesus said, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do, must do. And then Jesus sent a Christian man named Ananias to teach Saul. Saul had fasted and had been blind for three days. He'd been praying for three days. Ananias comes to him and says, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. Be baptized, wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness comes at the point of being baptized. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 and verse 23, I want that eternal life blessing in Christ, so I've got to be forgiven of my sins at baptism, my sins are cleansed, washed away. I am cleansed from the guilt of my sins by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross as my Savior for me, him being the pure one time for all time sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of my sins. Why be baptized? Because at baptism, my sins are washed away. What about salvation? 
can I be saved? Well, most of those churches, most churches that call themselves Christian believe you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Now, they practice baptism. Why practice baptism if you don't need to be baptized? You see, they've got, they've got a problem there. There's something of a quandary from a realistic and rational line of reasoning. Why be baptized if you don't need to be baptized to be saved? If you can be saved without being baptized, why be baptized? Well, first, as we've just pointed out and learned from the scriptures themselves, baptism is the point at which your sins are washed away by the blood of Christ that he shed on the cross for that very purpose. So I can't be forgiven without being baptized. Well, that flies in the face of those denominational churches that practice baptism, but not for forgiveness. They say, well, you don't need to be baptized to be forgiven. You don't need to be baptized to be saved. Well, the scriptures teach exactly the opposite. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Now, next time, I want us to look at a second reason to be baptized. Why baptism is absolutely necessary and essential, and that's salvation. Let's stop and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for blessing us with your son, his sacrifice on the cross for us. Thank you for your love being that intense for us, that deep. And thank you, Father, for making the way for us to be forgiven of our sins as we're baptized into Christ. Help us, help us, Father, to take full advantage of this blessing from you. And we give you the praise, the glory, the honor, and the thanks, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.